Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. We've got our new mock draft out from Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We'll talk about that here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're breaking down those picks and how they relate to a lot of the moves the Steelers have been making. Also, some of the things that Mike Tomlin's been saying in Arizona as the owner meetings kicked off this weekend. It's going to be a lot to talk about right here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports, from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can find all of our work at post-gazette.com. You can find this show Monday, Wednesday, Friday on all of our podcasting apps, especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of the daily content that comes out from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Again, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're joined today by Ray Fittipaldo, who's here in Pittsburgh while the owners' meetings are going on. But, Ray, you released your set, your new seven-round mock draft. Is this your 2.0 or your 3.0? I just got to be clear. 3.0. Uh, this one will be uh, just looking at the moves they made in free agency, Chris. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's coming into focus a little bit more. And then my final one, 4.0, will be draft week. So probably, um, you know, we'll probably run that Monday or Tuesday of draft week. So, yeah, three down, one to go. And uh, we'll see how it all turns out about a month from now. I, I think I saw online earlier today, Chris, 30 days until the draft, one month away. That's crazy. We're, we're counting down the days here, 30 days. Uh, it's, it's time to ring out. But one thing the Steelers have made sure to do leading up to these 30 days was they they solidified the interior of the offensive line. Isaac Samalo, Nate Herbig. They still got Dotson and Daniels and Cole. Um, so they've they've gotten those positions locked up. Now they did sign a guy, Raven Clark, as a as a backup offensive uh, you know swing tackle um, that they can place on either side of the, the offensive line. But he's not a guy that's going to be a starting caliber. And so that kind of puts in if they really want to commit to the offensive line being a better unit this year and a better unit not just this year but moving forward, they still need a young dominant presence up front up front and it seems like the place to get that would be offensive tackle now and you have them in your new mock draft your 3.0 taking darnell Wright out of tennessee uh with the 17th overall pick um and this is kind of the place where we've been for the steelers with a while right like we've been wondering would one of the top three guys falls to them and if if they didn't would offensive tackle still be worth that worthy of the pick what makes you think that darnell Wright? Is a, is a great option there at 17th overall versus other positions they could go after. He's had a good offseason, Chris. Um, you know, he was a little bit inconsistent at the Senior Bowl, um, but uh, you look at what, what he did at the Combine, ran very well at the Combine. And, uh, you know, I, I think we talked about it last week or two weeks ago. There hasn't been a lot of talk about him moving to the left side, but I went back and did some reading on him. And he played left tackle in 2021, and then he basically moved back to the right side because that was what's best for, uh, you know, Tennessee last year. Their offensive line coach uh, said that in a story 
I think, last summer. So it's not that he can't play the left side. It's just that uh, he did what was best for his team um, going back there as a senior. So we'll see how it plays out. Listen, there, there are still a lot of people who think he's a better right tackle than a left tackle. But uh, just the fact that he might have that versatility, I think, um, he could possibly come into play now at, at 17. If he is a better right tackle than left tackle, what happens with the Steelers' offensive tackle situation? Because Chuks Okorafor has been the right tackle. Yeah. Uh, you know, they tried they tried to put him at left tackle. He didn't work out. They put him back at right, and Dan Moore stayed at left. And I think a lot of Steelers fans would agree that the left tackle position is the one that needs to be addressed more aggressively with Dan Moore right. versus Chuks Okorafor. If Darnell Wright is another right tackle, what happens with the left tackle position? Does he win right tackle and Chooks bump the left, or does Dan Moore hold that spot, or do they say, Darnell, you got to be the left tackle. We already got right tackle locked down. Right. I, I think if they made that move, um, they would let him come in and figure out where he fits best, right? That, that's what mm-hmm. they always do. They don't want right. to pigeonhole guys into saying, you're going to be one position and in one position only. But if it did turn out that he was better suited to play the right side, then I think they would give every opportunity to, to Chukso Korfor to try to figure it out on the left side, and then Dan Moore uh, w- would be your swing tackle. Um, but if that didn't work out, and let's be honest, Chris, that, that didn't work out in training camp 2021, um, then you would have a big decision to make. Would you know would Chukso Korfor uh, be a very expensive swing tackle, or you know of course would they move on? Would they take a six million dollar dead cap hit? And, uh, you know, just go from there. So those are, you know, some of the things that are in play there. That's why I think it's more likely that, uh, you know, they would take like a Skoronsky or a Jones or a Johnson because they are they are definitely left tackles and, and can right. play left tackle in the NFL. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, hey, if the top three left tackles are off the board, if those corners are off the board that you want, if Lucas Van Ness is off the board, what do you do, right? I mean, they're – those are some very real scenarios that could unfold yeah. there, and they're going to have to have plan B, plan C in place in case all those guys aren't there for them at 17. No, I agree because, I mean, that's one thing that you kind of have to be aware of is that, you know, offensive tackle is a very uh, sought-after position. You know, it's a position that if you don't strike at it in, in a draft, you're paying a lot of money for it in free agency as we're seeing some of these guys fly out, you know, and get humongous deals. The Steelers, you know, not signing any of those guys because I think their plan is to draft those guys and maybe make those guys the pillars. And they kind of already have in Chooks for They've committed to him financially for at least for at least another year. But uh, having a guy on the offensive line who you'd have under a rookie deal, and if you could get him in the first round, have him under a rookie deal for potentially five seasons, that could be a huge part of it. And if that guy could be could be the rookie of the group and be a very talented rookie that works with a veteran group that they've assembled through the free agency over the past few years, and you know a couple of the draft picks, and uh, you know of course with uh, with with Chooks and uh, with Dan Moore, you get a chance to to build this line, and then from there, kind of continue to build through the draft. And make that make kind of make your next generation's offensive line the way they did in the early 2010s that lasted for pretty much that whole decade. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, one more thing: a lot of people, and I think I'm starting to lean this way too. But um, you know, slamming the door on a guard or center coming in the early rounds of the draft. Now, I just want to point out: John Michael Schmitz was in town on Friday. He was in for a top 30 visit. Um, Osiris Torrance, um, as of last week, was still scheduled to come in for a visit. So, you know, they weren't afraid to upgrade in free agency. I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there. If they really love one of those guys in round two, not round one, 
But round two, let's leave that door open just slightly. Just slightly. I, mean, I think that'd be very interesting, especially at its center position, which, yeah, like guard, they have a lot of guards right now. But, I mean, right now, J.C. Hasenauer is still in the free agency pool, I believe. I don't believe he's been signed anywhere. Um, right. Kendrick Green is, I think, your currently only on-roster option behind Mason Cole. And so as much as they've talked about depth, getting another center would be an interesting option for them there. Um, and, you know, and so I do think the door could be open there. I just, I just think that as far as center was never an option in the first round, because there's just no right. prospects like that this year. Okay. Um, and offensive tackle makes a lot more sense there for the guys who are available, but it would be interesting to see if they, if they got, if they were able to get an offensive tackle and still found a way to get a center that they'd really like to kind of, you know, back either back up Mason Cole or challenge him for the starting spot in this season or the season after that. But I want to get to some of your other picks here, Ray, because you've talked, you got, you went, you addressed a lot of different positions, defensive line, cornerback, outside linebacker, tight end. We'll get through all of those in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Don't go anywhere. But first, we'd love to talk to you guys about one of our new great sponsors, and that's GameTime.co. If you're out there ever trying to buy tickets for a big event, it shouldn't be stressful, even if it's coming at the last minute. That's what GameTime is here to do. It makes the process fast and easy to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, theater events, anything that you can get tickets in your area. GameTime.co is here to is here to help you out. With They'll, they'll find you killer deals that'll save you a lot of money on last minute tickets so if you're sitting there thinking at the last second oh i'd love to go to that event but you see all the prices are jacked up on all the other sites you can see on gametime.co the prices are always the best price they have a best price guarantee so you can stop stressing over the tickets that you weren't able to get far in advance and still find a way to have fun at the, at the events that you want to get to the game time app allows you to book tickets at the last minute minute if you didn't plan that far out and i don't know about you guys that happens to me all the time i see something and i'm like oh man i didn't know that group was in town and i'd love to get a ticket there but sometimes those last minute tickets are very expensive, but not on GameTime.co. They'll help you find the best tickets available. So go to GameTime.co today for all your exclusive flash deals on football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, anything you can think of that got tickets, GameTime.co has. And again, the GameTime guarantee means you'll always have the best price. If you find tickets that are in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference snag tickets without the stress with game time download the with the game time app create an account and use the code pit p-i-t-t all capital letters for twenty dollars off your first purchase or you can go to their website gametime.co that's g-a-m-e-t-i-m-e dot c-o terms and conditions apply create an account and redeem code pit for twenty dollars off download the game time app today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter and Ray Fittipato breaking things down on Ray's 3.0 mock draft that he's released on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can find that right now at post-gazette.com. Go to the sports section, and it's breaking things down. Now, again, they picked Darnell Wright, or Ray had the Steelers picking Darnell Wright in the first round with the 17th overall pick. But now, in with the 32nd overall pick, the first pick of the second round, you have them going cornerback, which is another position that I think a lot of people have been pointing to this offseason. You have them getting Kelly Ringo of the, the the Georgia cornerback who's had an interesting path to get to this point because leading into the season he was one of the guys that was projected that could become one of the top cornerbacks of the draft class he hasn't he didn't have that kind of a season his offseason you know has been decent but not you know elite so as as far as what he's been able to put up numbers wise but he's still a guy that a lot of people have a lot of excitement about and they think he has a lot of upside as a young cornerback 
How would he fit into the Steelers secondary that, you know, they've added Patrick Peterson. They haven't, they, 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 they kept Levi Wallace and the Keller right. Witherspoon. Is he that outside corner that could start, or is he a guy that's going to have to come up and learn for, for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, he might be a guy who has to learn for a little bit, but uh, I think he could come in and contribute right away. And I don't think it would be long, Chris, before he, he would earn a starting position. And kind of the nice thing about the Steelers, now the way they're set up, they finished the season last season with Levi Wallace as a starter. Um, so that, you know, that, that could very well happen again. Um, so if you're talking at 32, you know, we're saying Joey Porter Jr., Devin Witherspoon, and Christian Gonzalez are off the board, obviously, top half of the first round. Uh, those second tier of corners, um, Deontay Banks would be in there. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes would be in there, right? So what, what I was thinking with Ringo is he's got that – he's big. He's 6'2", 6'3". He's fast, okay? But he also fits the Steelers' model of being able to help and run support and not having any deficiencies there. So when I just looked at Forbes versus Ringo, I think there's like – it's like 30 pounds difference. I think, you know, Ringo's like in that 205 range and Forbes is down like in that 166, 170 range. Now, Forbes was very productive, had a ton more interceptions, but when you look at it, I, I think, you know, Ringo would be the more typical Steelers pick. Um, listen, if they want to go a different way, they can go Forbes there. If Banks is still there, they can go Banks, although you see Banks a lot in the first round now. So, you know, we just ran off like five or six names of corners in the top 32 picks, um, given what I've heard about this class, Chris, I don't think it would be out of question that all six of those guys, um, you know, would be off the board or close to being off the board by the time the Steelers did pick at number 32 at the top of the second round. It's always tricky because you go, you can look at that and you can say, man, uh, there's, there's, you know, the, this player is going to go here. This player is going to go there. And then draft day comes and then, the, the the pecking order that we talk about all off season is wrong, and because the GMs there's a, a one even just one GM sees it differently, and they take a corner at one point or at any position at one point, and they're like, whoa, we didn't have that guy going that early, and then it jumbles up what everyone thinks about uh, about about that position, and going over just what yeah, what guys were able to able to do you're talking about Deontay Banks Deontay Banks uh the Maryland cornerback the one of two Maryland cornerbacks Jacorian Bennett's the other one but he, but uh uh Banks is definitely the one that everyone's looking at a, 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 as the as the earlier pick you know Deontay Banks the guy that really helped himself in the combine because he looked like an athletic freak he had a 4.35 40-yard dash um his 42-inch vertical was the was the best of the group uh his 136 broad inch broad jump was the second best of the group so this is a guy who who did that as a, he's an athletic freak but he has a little bit more polishing to do at least in, in my opinion kelly ringo though again not that far off in, in, in a lot of respects as far as the speed component he, he ran a 4.36 in the 40 yard dash so he's got the speed his vertical wasn't as high at 33.5 so a little bit lacking there uh and not as explosive but he's a guy that's used to using his length he played in that physical defense at georgia there's a lot of reasons to like that and how he could fit and like you said you know the steelers could use an outside corner who could be in the mix and maybe not necessarily start right away but be someone that they can deploy out there and who can learn from a patrick peterson and, and a very veteran cornerback uh, room that they've that they've already assembled yeah, but they, they get at some point, Chris, whether it's at 17, 32, 49, at some point they have to get that future long-term starter because, as yeah. you know, Peterson is 33 and Levi Wallace and Akella Witherspoon are both entering the final years of their contracts. 
Absolutely. How much do you you talk about Emmanuel Forbes? How much does slot corner do you think play into this? Guys who could play. I know I know Arthur Mallette's kind of been that guy, but yeah. if the Steelers are about turnovers, Arthur Mallette, you know, you know, kind of like well, Mike Hilton did contribute more in turnovers. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Having a real cover slot option there, and I guess right. Brian Branch would be an option in, in that department as well. Right? How much does that weigh versus finding the next outside cornerback guy? I think outside corner is the number one goal in this draft for the Steelers. But you're right, Chris. I mean, other, you know, other than Arthur Mallette, there's not another um, slot corner type of guy on this roster. And you know, it's interesting looking at this draft. Um, there's a lot of big corners in this draft. But there's not a lot of highly, highly talked about slot corners. You know, Brian Branch would probably be the first guy that comes to mind when you're talking about slots. And a lot of times slots don't get taken in round one. You know, I think Branch might be the exception this year. So when you're talking slot guys, I, you know, I think you're probably talking second round or after, you know, probably even after, third round or after. But there's just not a lot of highly graded guys with that skill set in this draft. So, um you do have a lot of big guys. You got a lot of guys who can run in this draft. That's why I think outside corner is probably more in play, but there's, there's no doubt the Steelers need help on the inside as well. And specifically, as you mentioned, the cover guy that they could pair along, uh, alongside Arthur Mallette. Now, two other picks that you made here, uh, defensive, defensive front wide. You got Mazai Smith, a defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman out of Michigan. Uh, he would, he would kind of be a guy that could help them on the interior, you know, help with run stuffing and getting after the quarterback. Um, he's a stronger option there, but then you also have them double dipping in that area. Maybe not the interior defensive line, but an edge rusher in Byron Young out of Tennessee, getting two guys up front to boot to bolster the defensive front when there's other needs on the board. I think would be interesting, but the Steelers have talked about wanting to be stronger up front, and they're getting pretty old, especially the interior defensive line. Oak and Joby was re-signed. Cam Hayward's still there. They still yeah. they do have Lamar Lamar and Leal, but we've been talking about. Uh, you know, the need of finding, whereas they need to find the next corner of the future, they still need to find the defensive lineman of the future, considering some of the guys that they have on their roster right now. Yeah, listen, Mozzie Smith is, uh, you know, he played nose guard at Michigan, but the only reason that he's getting talked about is a, you know, a second-round pick. And let's, let's be honest, there are some people who say, and he's moving up so quickly, he can go in the first round. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Um the reason he would get drafted higher than people expect is because of his athletic profile. And people would think, okay, mm-hmm. yes, he could play nose guard for us, but he's so athletic. He could bump out and play three technique. And he could also do that very well, line up over a guard and, uh, you know, maybe add some value um, as, as a pass rusher, which honestly he didn't do at Michigan, but given his athletic traits, um, there's really no reason that he couldn't um, perform those duties in the NFL. So, Um, You know, that would be an interesting pick. Again, like when you get out of the first round defensive lineman, early second round defensive lineman types, like the ones you see um, are like Siaki uh, Ika, you know, from Baylor, Smith Mm -hmm. from Michigan, you know, more guys who are more run stuffers 
yeah. um, kind of like in that middle second round range more so than than guys who we get after the passer. I mean, that's just – I think that's just the way this draft is going to unfold. I think Brian Brzee from Clemson is probably going to be late round one, maybe early round two. They're just – they're. it's a good draft for a defensive lineman, Chris, but it's not a very deep draft. And I think that's why a guy like Smith and, and Ika would be in play for the Steelers at 49. Certainly. I want to talk to you more about Young in a second as far as the edge rusher component and what, what might be coming for Alex Highsmith, his future with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Also, you have him taking a tight end in the fourth round. I want to talk about that after the signing of Zach Gentry because this is this is a really good tight end class by all measures uh, and and all the uh, everyone who talks about it. So we'll talk about that all in a minute here right here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Coast. I'm your host, Chris Carter with Ray Fittipato. We'll be right back. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, breaking things down for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and Ray Fittipato's 3.0 mock draft that you can read at post-gazette.com with the Pittsburgh Steelers and who they take. Now, again, you had them with their second second-round pick at 49th overall, taking Mazzy Smith uh, from Michigan. But then your third-round pick uh, was Byron Young, the edge rusher out of, out of Tennessee. Um, this would be an interesting pick here, uh, pick here Ray, because... We still don't know what's going to happen with a few things here. A few things up in the air. One, the Steelers purportedly bringing in Bud Dupree uh, for a visit to see if anything would happen there. Of course, bringing back Bud Dupree, a former first-round pick who signed you with a huge deal with the Tennessee Titans. Didn't work out because of his injury history. And only, I think he only got like four sacks in two years. That's not exactly what they wanted, so now he's back on the market. But then also with Alex Highsmith, he enters the final year of his rookie deal. And the question is, do they pay Alex Highsmith? They're already paying T.J. Watt a boatload of money. Uh, they And this is, I guess, the opportunity to pay players like Alex Highsmith when you're not paying for a a franchise quarterback anymore. But is that the option here? Do you think the Steelers are, are closing in on that? And if they're drafting a guy in at edge rusher, is that a sign that maybe they don't sign Alex Highsmith to a long-term deal? Or is it just that this is Andy Weidel, this is what they want to do, they want to have that deep rotation of athletic edge rushers who can put pressure on the quarterback? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think they would love to have Alex Highsmith under contract for, for more years beyond this year. But traditionally, the Steelers don't address those um, types of contract issues in April, um, in March or April. You know, they're more likely to attack that during OTAs and minicamp and, and even in the training camp. So, you know, I, I don't, you know, you, you mentioned Bud Dupree, and I think Bud Dupree is coming in for a visit. If he comes in for a visit, I think it's all about just passing a physical, and, you know, I think he would be signed. But anything you do with uh, a free agent at this point, Chris, is going to be for one year. You yeah. saw that with Zach, Gen- Zach Gentry on Saturday. He's one year. That, listen, that's not going to stop the Steelers from taking a tight end in this draft, especially when it's such a deep uh, class. Uh, uh, such a talented class of, of tight ends, and the same holds true for edge rusher. If Bud Dupree decides to come back, he comes back for for, for one year. He's not going to want to tie himself up into a, a longer deal, and I think they can go ahead and get a guy in the third or fourth round who could come in and you know rotate and maybe be a guy that could potentially help them in 2023. And if not, then you got your number three guy in place for 2024 when a guy like Dupree you know, would move on. So, you know, these one, you know, these contracts that were signed the first week of free agency, Holcomb three years, you know, say Amalu three years, those guys are starters, right? Yeah. Zach Gentry's not a starter. Bud Dupree wouldn't be a starter. Right. Anything they do now will not prevent them from doubling down and taking other guys 
at their same positions in the draft. So you have them taking a tight end from Zach Gentry's alma mater, Luke Schumacher of Michigan, 6'5", 251. What does he bring to the table that you think would make him a really good option at the tight end position just so Steelers fans can get a sense of like, ooh, who is this guy that would be added to the tight end room? And what would this do for Connor Hayward? Because he's kind of been the third string tight end. He was the third string tight end for the team last season. Right. So this would keep the Gentry model, right? Um, a good run blocker would add some value in the passing game, probably, to be honest, a little bit more upside than Zach Gentry in the passing mm-hmm. game. But he would still come in. His number one job to, would, would be a run blocker. Um, you know, I, I've thought about it, Chris. There's some very good pass-catching tight ends in this class. I just don't know if the Steelers are going to go to that model and just have two, you know, two strong pass-catching tight ends. I, You know, I think what they're doing uh, on the interior, they want to run the ball. I think getting that – solid number two tight end, not only for this year with Gentry, but getting that guy for future, um, you know, would be a good move. And as far as Hayward goes, it wouldn't really do anything to Hayward's spot. Hayward is a tight end. He goes to the tight ends rooms for meetings, um, but he's more of an H back. And depending on what they do with Derek Watt, he could find himself in the running running backs room a little bit more this year if they have to add fullback to his duties, even though they don't, you know, they don't run a lot of fullback sets. So, um, if you look at the, the way they used Connor Hayward last year, yeah, there was that touchdown against the Falcons where he ran down the seam. But, you know, late in the year, he was taking jet sweeps. He was kind of yeah. like – he's that smaller tight end that's kind of like a hybrid. And, um, you know, he, he wouldn't be in consideration for that blocking tight end role. So I, I really don't think a fourth-round pick would, would have – any impact on, um, you know, his role whatsoever. He'd, he'd still be very involved. I just think maybe it would be more involved as a traditional H-back more so than a, you know, a tight end. No, I I, I agree. I think that's more of the thing. That's that's the whole thing. When they signed Connor Hayward, or not, so they drafted Connor Hayward uh, late last year, uh, I think that that was part of the thing was that his size doesn't lend him to be a full-time tight end because he's just he's just not tall. He doesn't have the length to kind of play tight end in the traditional sense in the NFL. But his athleticism, the way he catches the ball, the way his physicality, his willingness to kind of do all the dirty work, that's all attractive. And that makes him an interesting chess piece for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that's why they, they, they'd want to keep him. But, again, if they if they drafted another tight end, like you have them drafting Schoenmacher in the fourth round, um, I think that those they go, that's an interesting option that gets says, okay, cool. You have three official, like the way built the way you want type of tight ends. Guys, six four, six five, you know, huge guys that they can play there, make some catches down down the field. But then you can still float around Hayward as sort of the the Derek Watt role as far as hey, come in, play the occasional fullback role, you know, throw your body in there to be a lead blocker for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, or leak out and catch some passes from Kenny Pickett. Uh because yeah. like you said, he did he did make a couple of those plays towards the end of the season. So I do think it's interesting. I thought that tight end going, you know, before they they brought back Gentry because they hadn't, you know, brought him back or made any moves in free agency. I was wondering if tight end would be a second round move because there's a lot of, like you said, this is a really good tight end class and they could get a guy like Michael Meyer of of, of Notre Dame or Darnell Washington of Georgia or Dalton, uh, Dante Kincaid. There's a lot of, there's a, a lot of options there at the top of the board. Schoenmacher though, one of the examples of how deep of a tight end class this is and, Sometimes you could take advantage of that by not spending too high at that position and still getting a, a player of quality. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, this is a one-year deal for Gentry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they created competition at Garden Center. Um, and I, I think we all believe that Kendrick Green probably isn't going to be on this roster 
2023. There's nothing to say that Zach Gentry, after signing a one-year deal with little guaranteed money, would also have to be on this roster, right? So if, if a, if a fourth-round pick would beat him out, hey, you know, Zach Gentry, you know, he'd be – It'd be a guy that might be cut in training camp. Also, Chris, there's injuries, there's training camp, you know, all this. You're always looking to build depth depth and to have extra guys in good competition. And competition matters. Mike Tomlin said it yesterday at the owners' meeting. They wanted to create more competition on the interior of their offensive line. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they created more competition at other spots, including tight end this spring and the summer. That being said, do uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Do the Steelers find a way to bring in a, a, another guy like Bud Dupree in free agency, or 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 a receiver as well? Because Stephen Sims was signed to another team in, in free agency. Right. That's another position that they could find a way to add at. Yeah, I mean, at this point, Chris, anything you would add, like a receiver, I think it'd probably be like a, a one-year deal um, right. in free agency. You know, I had them taking a receiver in the seventh round in, in my latest mock draft. Um, you know, they could take one like in the top four rounds, but I just don't get that sense. And I know everyone says, you know, well, the Steelers always do that. Well, you know, this is a different regime. And I, I think Andy yes. Weidel wants to build this team a certain way. Listen, I could be mildly surprised. They could end up taking one of the top four rounds. I just think if they're going to add one, you know, maybe just add some competition for Calvin Austin, Anthony Miller in the slot, and, the, you know, just maybe take that route. No, I hear you on that. And also, I think it's important to know, even even beside the obvious you know, regime change of it being Omar Khan and Andy Weidel and what they're putting into, this is a different era for the Steelers. Back then, when they were drafting guys in the second and third round, like five straight years in a row, Ben Roethlisberger was their quarterback. And it was because they were trying to give him more weapons to fill out that, that receiver room that was led by Antonio Brown and all the years that they were trying to add to that group without having so that they wouldn't have to pay for big money for wide receivers while they were paying their quarterback and their wide receiver and some, a couple offensive linemen really big money. So I'm right with you that it's a little bit different this time around. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that those differences there. And again, I don't think it signifies that they, their values overall changed. I do think that they recognize that, you know, running the football is going, is becoming a bigger thing in the NFL. And that with a young quarterback, you kind of need to have that kind of a a, a run balanced look in your offense to kind of make things easier for them. But I also think it's because they're recognizing the skill sets that they have on their roster right now. And the best way to, to, to build with that right now, isn't necessarily just, add all the wide receivers in your draft class, get stronger in the trenches, control both sides of the line of scrimmage and make it easier for your quarterback to not have to carry your team uh, the way that, you know, maybe a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen might. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, Chris, the league is taking maybe a little bit of a different turn. Um, you know, we, we've seen it um, slowly build here with running games getting stronger. I think the Steelers finally got on board with that last year and Kenny Pickett's first year. Um, yeah, Kenny Pickett's going to take a lot of steps as a playmaker, as a passer in year two. But I think as you look at the way this entire 53-man roster is structured, defense is going to lead this team, running game, and then Kenny Pickett making plays when he has to. I don't think that's going to change in year two. Um, I think Penny, Kenny Pickett's going to get better, but I think the running game is still going to be a very, very big part of this football team uh, going forward in 2023. Absolutely. We'll talk more about that as the NFL draft gets closer. 30 days away 
right now. Crazy enough, you want to get all that coverage, go to go to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com. Ray Fittipato has his seventh round Steelers mock draft, his 3.0 version, where he has some interesting pick that we just broke down here. But if you want to read all the breakdowns, go there right now. You can also check out, uh, check out our coverage of the NFL owners meetings, where we have people on hand right now getting ready to getting ready to talk to uh, the, the, the Steelers front office. Mike Tomlin spoke on Sunday. We'll see what else gets said at owners meetings as we go throughout the week. And we'll keep talking about that right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. You can find this show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette with, with our podcasting platforms or on our YouTube page that you can, if you enjoy this video, like this video, subscribe to this channel to get all of these episodes as well as all the content released here. We have daily content coming out, whether it's Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, Pitt, Penn State, College. We have all the coverage right here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'll be back Wednesday breaking more things down right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.